0: This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tánis de Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening.
1: Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website.
0: platforms this is an irish independent podcast you want to get a win you know you still want even no matter how you do it's good just to get a few wins a bit of momentum It just everything feels a little bit better you're kind of going okay we're tweaking rather than going mm, is this time to panic there's there's always going to be that little bit of chatter around these ones will so yeah look i think they'll want to do well against england i think they've got lots of frontliners coming back but there's opportunity to just have another look at a few other guys i think and just go okay well is McCarthy is effective against a uh, an England pack let's see uh, let, let's see um you know cuz that could be something that as I say could be a nice little you know string to the bow for this Ireland team and um, you know what about Frawley what about Crowley like how does he do against a better team you know a few of these guys there's opportunities there to to, uh, to to have another little look at a few guys that might have had a good preseason behind closed doors that we don't know about so i'd be of the tinkering mind maybe will but of course the last game you need to be getting guys games yeah absolutely
2: Ireland's World Cup warm-up campaign is up and running with Saturday's win over Italy. There were plenty of strong individual performances, but Andy Farrell won't be too happy with a few elements of the collective display, despite the comprehensive victory. Welcome to this week's episode of the Left Wing Podcast. Will Slattery here with you, and I'm delighted to be joined by Keen Tracy and Luke Fitzgerald for our chat. And Keen, welcome back to the show for another season. Ireland, 33-17 winners over Italy on Saturday, as I mentioned couple of really strong individual displays led by man of the match, Caelan Doris. But that kind of classic early season, you know, a bit of sloppiness, some missed opportunities w- w- won't have made Andy Farrell too happy. You know, overall, how do you assess Ireland's first hit out of the season?
1: Well, First of all, thanks for the welcome back, Will. It's very good to be back. Uh, happy new season and all that. Can't wait for what lies ahead over the coming weeks. It's going to be really, really exciting. Um, it was nice to get back into it, I suppose, on on Saturday, yeah, um, I think Andy Farrell summed it up well afterwards when he described the formants as clunky. I thought that was a good word uh, to, to sum it up, really. Um, lots of good stuff in in the first half, I thought. I mean, considering it was a first how, first hit out of the season, new combinations and, and things like that. I thought there was plenty of good stuff in there, some not so good as well, plenty of rust, which was to be expected. Um, I think the drop-off in the second half was... Disappointing really. Um again, you had new combinations. I didn't think the bench you got much impact really from the bench. Um so I think like if, if Ireland had come into this game, Will and hammered Italy out the gate, like would Andy Farrell really have taken much away from it? I think he'll actually be happy for the the problems that Italy did cause um Ireland in the second half. Now he won't be overly happy with a couple of um, individual and collective errors that allowed Italy in for the tries, but at least allows him plenty of food for thought, stuff to get stuck into. They're over in Portugal um, this week. So I think he was relatively satisfied is probably the, the best way to, to describe it rather than being overly happy. Like you mentioned, there were plenty of guys who who played really well. Some guys who were absolutely nailed on to be on the plane, someone like Caelan Doris and Ian Henderson. And then you had guys like I thought, uh, Jack Crowley was very good for the 40 minutes he played at 10. And I actually thought Ireland lost a little bit of control and composure when himself and Craig Casey uh, weren't at halfback in that second half. I thought a guy like Joe McCarthy really put his hand up um, and made a big statement. I know it was only against Italy and all that, but I'd, I'd love to see him getting another opportunity, maybe even off the bench against England, against a bigger pack Um I don't know, maybe Leinster even missed a bit of a trick by not playing him a bit more towards the end of last season. I know he had that injury back during the Six Nations, but um, he's a guy who's definitely battling it out for, you know, you'd imagine there's one potentially lock lock spot up for grabs and he's potentially going up against Kieran Treadwell, who didn't have... The best of seasons, I think you'd say, it, after playing uh, such an important role in the series win over New Zealand. So I think um, Joe McCarthy was one who really caught my eye um, from the kind of fringe players who you're hoping to look to impress. So, uh, like I said, plenty of Randy Farrell gets get stuck into it.
2: Yeah, Luke, you know, a lot covered there. But what were your kind of initial thoughts about it? you know, I'm sure you played in plenty of, you know, even being involved in World Cup squads that first hit out, you know, especially with what was a team that would never really play together at all. There was a lot of combinations there that at international level would be very kind of new. Like, so from that perspective, you know, what what, did you, what are you taking away from this game, or if anything?
0: Um, yeah, look, these are traditionally, like, you don't really pay a massive amount of attention, attention to them. You know, I think Ireland have kind of plenty of build-up time. Um, but just in terms of selecting a squad, you, I, I do think it is a short build-up for them. In that respect, you know, like for, I, I'm probably more referencing the the bigger games in the in the cup group in the the World Cup group. Will like there's there's plenty of time for Ireland to play a, a team into form by that stage. Um, picking the squad, look, I think the the reason that three probably isn't as much of a problem for them when we discussed this last week is that it's kind of a fairly settled squad, isn't it? There's probably maybe five or six places that you think mm, okay, there's a few combinations that he could go with there. Um, and I suppose look with that in mind to answer the question, I think uh, Ireland. Um, We'll be relatively pleased that they got through it i mean like jack conan that injury is a little bit of a worry but hopefully that's not as bad as as um as a, you know an area like cuz that, that can be a slow place to heal um that'd be a little bit of a worrying one um so hopefully that's okay um i thought the performance was patchy which you'd expect uh i think they may have been expecting um, because they played so much of ball, they've mentioned that, they probably expected that to be a little bit more seamless, but that's just never the case. Like fitness levels, you know, you mentioned the the combinations, you know, not having played together, only in training, really. So you've got to take all those things into account. And off the back of that, I think, look, they won the game. Uh, it's important you don't lose those ones, um, even though it doesn't really matter how much you win them by, really, um, because, you know, it's Italy at the end of the day. Um, I think it probably threw up a few questions for them, maybe, and things that they can focus the head on in training um our focus the minds on coming into the World Cup. That's always a nice thing for a coach to have. And uh just in terms of some of the individuals, like I think ugh, that Doris question really does rear its head again, doesn't it? I know I mentioned Conan and I think he's an important piece of the puzzle, but that does rear its head. Like he's such a good player, isn't he? And he looks a little bit more involved um in the game at eight. So that's a question now that that's probably one thing that <laughs> I look they probably knew that anyway, but uh, does that rear its head a- a- again? Uh, I don't know, possibly, um, if Conan gets back um, fit. Uh, I thought McCarthy was an interesting one. I think it was pleasing that Henderson got through the game as well. Um, McCarthy gives you something a little bit different, doesn't he? He looked like a guy who was dominating every single coni- collision that he went into. He looked he looked heavy, didn't he? Didn't he look heavy? Like anytime he leaned the body in or got a good body position on someone, he seemed to get over, get over the gain line or, or knock them over. Um so that's a nice thing to have. And I think he he might be peaking. He might have showed just enough to get on that plane. Um he probably needs one more game. And w- but I, I don't think he did anything spectacular. Um, but I don't think he needs to either. And that's a thing uh that that to my mind it was a very good performance by him. And he gives you something a little bit different to what you have. So that was positive. And um look, some of the individual mistakes you'd expect to happen, but there was some some ones that I think I wasn't unbelievably surprised by either. Um and we'll get into that in a little bit more depth. Uh, I think as, as as the show goes on, but overall it was a fairly mixed one. But I think they'd be pleased that they didn't have you know a really major injury concern. They reckon Kone isn't that bad, and there was a few guys who showed you something a little bit different, and a few guys that you're saying, okay, well that person looks sharp, is experienced, and I think you know, you know they they're definitely still in shape to go on the plane. I'm thinking more Earls and Henderson because obviously Henderson was injured for so much last season. So um, yeah, I think very very you know, mostly positive, I think. Yeah, like Andy
2: Farrell, his assessment of the injuries after the game saying Jack Conan lost power in his foot. I just thought it was like, <laughs> that sounded grim. I, I, I know he also said it wasn't too bad of an injury, but just the phrasing of it just kind of made me laugh a little bit. And the Joe McCarthy point, Luke, I agree with you. I, at his age, I suppose, he's only turned 22 there recently. Like, he's still really growing as a as a rugby player. I thought he did look a lot heavier. I thought he looked, you know, significantly bulkier than the last time I'd even seen him. So he probably had a good preseason. And as you said, you know, he's probably one of the few players on the fringes who has a, has a live chance now maybe of forcing into what, it, what is a quite a settled squad.
0: It, do you know what, Will? It, it's a really important period in a rugby player's life. I remember my dad saying it to me, uh, who obviously played international rugby too, and he was kind of saying that that period between kind of 20 to maybe 24, 25 are really, really important training years because you kind of grow into your body at that stage. Seems like an obvious thing to say. Um, some people seem like they're kind of ready made, but that's when you really fill out and, and grow into your kind of in, into the body that you'll have for the rest of your career. And then you could kind of tweak it and peak kind of by that, you know, between that 26 to maybe 30 age. That's when you're at your real prime, but you grow into your body at this stage. So McCarthy to me looks like something that we haven't had for a while. And you think a client having just left. Seems like a kind of a similar kind of guy, didn't he? Like he was in there kind of pushing and shoving guys around. He was any, any rook he was in, any mall he was in, he looked like he was getting that leg drive and moving things forward, which is kind of important for this Irish team, I think, to be able to get, to be able to get parity in the tight exchanges and to have someone maybe who could help with a scrum as well. Possibly you think of South Africa, you think it may be a France in a quarter final, possibly. These are things that might be quite important for Ireland if to say the scrum is going backwards or um you know they're getting pushed around a bit. So yeah, I think he might give them that that little bit extra that a little bit of something different that um might be quite important actually. He might have timed this run very
2: well. Yeah, and I thought it was significant that he went to full eighty as well and that he like towards the end he had a real good moment where he ripped the ball, cleaned out a line out and like powered forward, like and you know, to have the engine to still be able to affect the game and the physical exchanges quite late on, I thought you know, could be, you know, obviously a very important tick mark in his favor. Um, and Luke touched on Caelan Darris's performance. Obviously, you know, all action. I think he was the top passer outside of the halfbacks. He got a lot of turnovers. Wearing a different number that he has worn for Allen before. I know he played in the Champions Cup quarter final against Leicester, I think at number seven as well. Obviously, his versatility is on show, but like ultimately he will be kind of the nailed on eight and he'll only be playing seven if Van der Fleer goes down. It looks like given, you know, that's kind Of what the how they picked the squad, but still, it was a, it's just another kind of day out for him. Where he yeah, I, I, d-
0: d- does he not go in six? No, if Conan's fit, no, Peter O'Mahony is the
2: first choice six. I think O'Mahony's first choice six, yeah. I think I think I think the island back row is kind of nailed on as O'Mahony under or Doris, personally.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, even though I think Jack Conan had a really good end to the season and he actually played well as well while he was on um at the weekend um yeah like there's a couple of different strands to the the Caelan Doris thing for me Will um I again I agree I think he's Ireland's best number eight I think he's Ireland's should be Ireland's first choice number eight and I think he's a guy who could really light up the World Cup I think like most people outside of Ireland now are well aware of his talents but like I have a feeling that he could be one of the real real big stars in France over the next couple of months um from Andy Farrell's point of view, I can understand why he started him at open side because, like, when you look through the squad, like, there's no obvious uh, backup to Josh van der Fleer, who's an, an out-and-out open side. Um, Peter O'Mahony can go in there, I'd imagine, to good effect, but it was interesting to see Caelan Doris get there. And you're right, he... He started there in the Champions Cup quarterfinal against Leicester, but he only played about 20 minutes because Ryan Baird got injured, if you remember, and Scott Penny came on, so they shifted around the back row again. So this, similar enough kind of happened at the weekend with Jack Conan and going off because and Prendergast came on and went to seven and Caelan Doris went back to number eight. So it wasn't like everything he did was from that open side position, particularly in the second half. But I thought he was going
2: well. I did think he was going well in those twenty five minutes to as the seven quote unquote.
1: Yeah, no, he absolutely was. He was an, a total nuisance. Like, he's an unbelievable jackler for such a big guy, but he made a total nuisance of himself around the breakdown. He's such a smart rugby player as well, and he he's a guy who really knows the laws. He really pushes the limits. Now, it doesn't always work in his favour. I think he gave away a penalty at one stage as well, but he really knows when to go after the, the ball at the breakdown, and that is so important. So, like, it's really good for, to have another string to his bow but, like, we've spoken about this many times over the years, particularly with Luke, when it comes to different players playing different positions. Like, it's nice to be able to do it, but for me, Caelan Darris is a number eight, and I would love to see Ireland, like, harness that as much as possible and play him in his best position. Um, that's just the way I feel on it. I, I know Jack Conan had a really good, strong end to the season, but um, I still think you get more when Caelan Doris is at number eight. Yeah, Luke, and obviously they're banking
2: on Josh Vanderflier's durability. Like, you know, very seldom is he injured. But if he does pick up an injury at this World Cup, I don't know if it's the best strategy to have the backup being moving one of your top players, one of the world class players, in number eight, into a new position. And I'll be Jack Conan's a great number eight too. But that strikes me as a as a gamble in a squad where you have a, they have added extra players, so you can be a little more, uh, you know, you can make bring more players. Obviously, but that strikes me as a gamble, a big gamble.
0: Yeah, look, I think if they weren't... I'd say they're giving Peter O'Mahony as much time with his body just to kind of get himself right. He's fairly... You know, his shoulders and kind of all that stuff always seem like they take a bit of a pounding, you know. Um, he always seems to kind of go down with stingers and stuff. So I'd say they're giving him as much time as possible. Um, he finished the season so, so well. He's obviously a big leader for the in, in, within the squad as well. I think seven is a more natural move for him. And I think he's probably the guy I would shift across because... Um, I think his involvements between this, like as a six and a seven, they don't actually change as much for a man. I don't think you're looking for him to really, like you're looking for him at line out time and you're looking for him, you know, with poachers around the pitch. Like that's where he has his kind of big impact. He's also a big leader and he kind of, you know, he could be a bit of an energizer bunny with her, you know, when he's kind of pushing and shoving lads and things like that. He's great for that. But his big thing is is line out and and I think poach which Suits him being at seven, I think. Will I don't think those two things have to change for him, you know. But just to so, come in there, like, but that means that Doris is probably going to six, and Conan's
2: going to eight. If you're moving on, you know. So yeah, that's but hard. I
0: think six. Sorry, that's the point. I'm, I, maybe I'm yeah. going about it a long way, but I think six is probably an easier shift as an eight um, for me. Or look, the other option you have is you can go with Baird, and Baird gives you a lot, plenty of options. He allows you to be a little bit bigger as well, because um, he's kind of a you know he's a hybrid, isn't he? A little bit between a, a second row and, and a six. Uh, you know, he he. I think Baird on the bench actually is 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 quite an important tool for you to have, um, and I think he's he's perfect for Ireland. I think. Um, so uh, look, you could do that. You could you could keep him there, but I, I just think Conan. I, I I think Conan's a big game player. I I just think I love his skills as well. Like the way Ireland play his ball handling, I think he's a great tackler as well. He's a little bit of an edge in Baird in that respect. I think he's like Conan's a really underrated defender. I think. Um, Plus, he's a heavy carrier in the kind of McCarthy type, um, Joe McCarthy type. You know, he's just, he seems to get over those gain lines a lot, you know, particularly when he's in form and he's, and he's kind of fit. So um, it's a lot of interesting questions there, Will. I know you don't want to be moving Doris. I get the point in that. But I think six is a less of a move for him. And I'd be moving O'Mahony, who we, I think we all agree is probably going to start. Um, but um,
1: yeah, I but think he, I him think, to seven I is a to move. And doesn't impact this game. Do you not think when Doris goes to six that he just doesn't have as many involvements? And even when he played seven for the 35 minutes or what it was, I actually thought he was involved in the game a lot more than he has often been when he goes to six. Because like I remember I did a piece on this last season and Leo Cullen was absolutely brilliant. He gave me loads of his time in terms of explaining the difference between the roles of a six and an eight. Like an eight will often find himself out wide on the tram lines, uh, making plenty of line busts, which is why you know, Kaden Darius, where Kaden Darius has been so effective, where the six tends to be in closer to the rock. So I don't know. I felt like when he went to seven the other day, we saw him a little bit more than we tend to do at six. I just, I think at six, Ireland lose something uh, when Kaden Darius goes there. That's just what I think anyway.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's, it's an interesting point, isn't it? I mean, I think, um, you know, I'd love to have had that conversation with Leo myself. myself. Uh, you know, I think we always had guys um, like Sean O'Brien and Rocky Elson. Like in, in my, just, I can only speak to guys maybe that I've probably, experienced. you know, played a little bit with. Uh, Quinlan, um, you know, these kind of fellas, they always seem to have a little bit more, they seem to have lots of involvements outside of the game and particularly from an attacking perspective. Uh, maybe that role has changed a little bit within maybe Leinster. I don't know. Uh, but I was always felt that there's still enough opportunities for him to showcase his talent. And we are talking about a situation where there's an injury, so Ireland are going not going to be with their first choice. I, I get we're talking about one player and, and, and its impact on him, but we are saying that yeah, there's a problem. How are we going how are we best gonna fix that? And who are the best guys to come in? And I still think it's it's a reduced role for him at six, but he still has enough scope there to, to impact the game I do love his little bit of stuff on the ground as well like he's so good there like you, I really agree with you on that one I, I, I'm so impressed with how aggressive he is he just seems to have a great ability just to pick the ball straight off the bat doesn't he like there's no messing with bodies or anything like that he just seems to be able to get into the right place at the right time real skill um, but yeah that's my view you know, I think six is the, is the more natural move for him I think he's also played a lot of rugby there as well which does impact my decision making um, when, when I'm saying that um but there are plenty of, of of permutations that he can work with there. And and I do agree we do want to get the best out of them. But if someone's going down, it's not going to be the same as as it was before. We're still, you know, it's you're still picking from the wor- from the from a worse
2: pot, if you like. I suppose the the kind of issue that it comes down to is that at the moment Ireland don't have a seven of sufficient quality that if Josh van der Freer does go down, that they can put in a seven directly in there and maintain their First choice back row. Otherwise, I know people thought John Hodden should be in the squad, but even if he was picking the squad, he would have been an international novice. I doubt he would. He wouldn't starting. I wouldn't have thought in this situation anyway. So this is an interesting area of the team that, after Josh Van Der Freer, there isn't any real obvious uh, candidates to go in. But as you said, it will be in the case of an injury. Josh Van Der Fleer has proved to be very durable. Uh, they've been unlucky. With,
1: like they've been unlucky with injuries. Will as well in that position. Will Will Connors and Dan Levy like this World Cup was made for Dan Levy like in another world and Will Connors has has had such a tough time like he's almost become a bit of the forgotten man even with Leinster last season like he just couldn't quite get back into the first choice 23 but when he's been fit Andy Farrell has generally tended to pick him like he he gave him his debut didn't he back um, a couple of years ago during the behind closed doors games and you know it's not beyond the realms of possibility that a guy outside the initial 42 man training squad is going to end up in France it's some stage. So um I was a bit surprised that Ireland didn't have um a backup seven in the squad because the conversation we've just had a bit of square pegs and round holes. And I thought John Hodnett, I agree with what your your point, Will, that he would have been a novice, but he was excellent for Munster in winning. He was the so 14.
0: good at the end of the season. Yeah. He would be the guy, surely. Like, mm. I, I actually such a fan of Connors, but you'd have to go with Hodnett. He was he finished and he finished against the South African team as well. Yeah Do you know those big packs which just kind of your concern with him a little bit isn't it that he's going to be a bit undersized maybe at international level but god I I was so impressed with him and he's a good rugby player too he's a guy that Farrell would like you know he's but quick he's as smart. Well. sorry
2: very quick as well like he runs with a shot on in the loose, like when he gets ahead of steam will be yeah. very very fast he was it's just what ireland like, need
0: like ireland need to play that game like that's our like we, i think we're all in agreement now that that is Ireland's game. We're going to be obviously smart at set piece and creative, but really Ireland need a fast-paced game. That's they've got ball players, they've got smart rugby players, they've got they're very very fit. Um, you know, lots of uh, attacking threats all over the pitch. Uh, someone like Hodnett actually fits the plan, even though you might say the size thing. I don't think people get it as often, but it does play more at international level. You're just playing against all the best athletes, and they can all do everything. They've got all the skills generally,
1: but they're just bigger, um, in my experience of it anyway. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I no, it's a... Uh, I think he definitely merited a place in in the training squad, at least, particularly, like you mentioned, Luke, the form that he finished in up against meaty South African packs. And like, I'm going off the top of my head here, but I think was it back during the Six Nations that even Scott Penny was ahead of him in the wider training squad um, as well. And for me, like like if you're picking on form, a guy like John Hodnett was worth the shot. So look, obviously, the Ireland coaches know better. They're, they're seeing things much more than is, we is are. His big
0: problem, I think, Ian, I, I do think his big problem was going to be that it was league versus cup. You know what I mean? It, I, I think that's a big problem for for some of those Munster players. Um, You know, I know the daily thing, like, you know, Nash got in ahead of him probably, but uh, that probably does play a little bit in it. You know, you think of where, like, how is Stockdale in there? Like, on what basis? Um, bar, you know, uh, you know, historical performances. He's been injured a lot. You know, Ulster haven't been that good. He, I thought, is actually his. His, I, I didn't even think he was the best winger in Ulster last year. You know, um, so you know, there's a few decisions that probably I think league is just seen as two steps away from international versus I think Heineken Cup, which is maybe I know Penny doesn't play that either, but he did have a few appearances in that that does play a part I would feel. I know that might seem harsh but um, maybe that was in the thinking and I, and I do assume as well that I think they feel that either Doris or or Peter O'Mahony would be good fits in that seven role if they're stuck and Vander der Fleer has been pretty durable for a while now, you know, so yeah, just a thought on that one. It's an interesting conversation though, I think, the Hodna thing because he was so good at the end of the season so we we'll wait and see if he can kick on. Now that Ulster have kind of our Munster have had a good seeding in the cup and everything. I wonder will that play into maybe some international selections next year?
2: Yeah, Keen, okay. One other performance I'd like to chat to about about Jack Crowley. Obviously, got the, the ten jersey for the first warm up game. Ross Byrne probably going to start against England, but that obviously remains to be seen in, in two weeks' time. How, how do you feel he went? Because obviously that that replacement number twenty two jersey is very much a live issue, given how Crowley finished the season. So, what, how would you assess his performance?
1: I thought he did well. Uh, Like I said at the start, it wasn't perfect by any means, but the performance as a whole wasn't perfect by the team. But I think what he does well is he slots well into a system, but also is able to bring his personality to it, which is so, so important. Like he offers so many threats, whether it's kicking, whether it's running, whether it's passing. And we saw several examples of that throughout the game. I think he was helped um a lot by the fact that he played alongside Craig Casey, who I thought probably had one of if not his best performance. I know he only last was it, completely agree. Career. I thought yeah. he was brilliant. He was excellent and I think he's kind of I don't think there was much doubt, but I think he's nailed his um, seed on the plane to France as well. So I thought they dovetailed really well together, Will. Um, obviously, he only played 40 minutes at 10 and then he, for the second half, he went to 15 with Kieran Frawley coming on for Jimmy O'Brien for his debut, which there's a couple of different ways you could look at that. I actually looked at that as a positive from Jack Crowdy's point of view. I think Andy Farrell and the coaches would have been pleased with what they saw for 40 minutes. Clearly, they've been... Really eager to get Kieran Frawley his debut. It would have happened last November if he hadn't been injured. And they clearly want to see Frawley at ten because Frawley could have easily just as easily come on and played fifteen. But I think the the Ireland coaches are probably really satisfied with what they're seeing from Jack Crowley at ten over the last while in training as well. And putting him to 15, is an, like he's, he's played there, I think, a couple of times for Munster. And obviously, he's played 12. So it's another string to his bow. And I actually looked at it as much more of a positive from Crowley's point of view that he went back to fullback. So, yeah, like I, I, I mentioned this earlier as well, I thought Ireland lacked a little bit of control um, when Blade and Fraudy came on. I don't know, was that just because they weren't quite familiar with each other? The pack were, weren't quite as on top as well. So that really reflected well, I thought, on Munster's halfbacks, Craig Casey and Jack Crowley as well. So um, we love the the old age um, debate about the 10. And I think you're right, Will. It'll be a shock injury permitting if Ross Byrne doesn't start against England. Um, But there's a bit of pressure on Ross Byrne now, I think. Uh, Just with the way the, the season's finished with Munster and Leinster with Jack Crowley, I'm not saying he shot the lights out by any means, but he came in and did a really good job Um, like I said facilitated others around him a bit like Joe McCarthy in terms of what Luke is saying you know coming in and you know adding your own flavour to it without trying to be the hero because like some of these guys must be so tempted to just go off and do do things on their own to try and impress but that's not going to get you a seat on the plane um, at all so like I know there's still a lot of road left to run in in this debate, and we'll probably have it every week until, you know, the crunch time in the World Cup. But right now, I think Jack Crowdy is probably a nose ahead of Ross Byrne in in that race for it to be Johnny Sexton's backup and possibly even starting if Sexton was injured.
2: Well, yeah, we might as well have this debate now because, you know, ultimately, whoever backs up Johnny Sexton at this World Cup, he's retiring after the World Cup. So whoever backs up at this World Cup, unless there's a big injury, We'll probably start the Six Nations in 2024 and be kind of the man for the future and looking towards the next era. What did you make of Jack Crowley's performance?
0: Yeah, really pleased. I really like him. I think he's a really good rugby player. Um I think uh looked pretty calm. Uh looked like it's not too much, it's not too big a, a position for him to hold. That ten jerseys is really pressurized for Ireland. Um and, and just generally international rugby, the pace, um, even though that was a warm-up against, let's face it, an Italian team. They were pretty gamey and they'd had a match the week before. So you're at a disadvantage fitness-wise, you would think, in terms of your pack and what they can deliver. Um, so I thought he was really good. Um, I agree with that going back to the to, to fullback because I think they saw enough from him at 10 to go, yeah, look, he can handle that. That's fine. We can trust him. And I think... Um, you know, the fifteen thing, then you're kind of you're talking about that bench slot and you're kind of going, mm, okay, well, he has that extra little bit. Just if we're really goosed, if a few guys go down, uh, you know, have that kind of weird scenario where maybe two or three backs go down, you're well, that guy can cover a few positions for me. And that is a nice string to have in your boat. Kind of like Joey Carby always had that over Ross Burns that he he could kind of play a few positions if you were stuck. Um, so yeah, look, that's that's something that does play to his advantage in terms of the bench. Um, but look, we do go back to, you know. 10 is just so important. And, you know, Johnny's age and, you know, you do, you do want to manage him. He's such an impact on the team that he might not play 80 minutes. So you do need to have, like, t- being a good 10 is still the most important thing for him even to get on the bench. But it is a small little, it's an extra of maybe feather in the cap, perhaps. But the important thing is that he played, could he play 10? Did he do it well? Yes, absolutely. He did all those things well. And I just love as well, something that no one's going to talk about with him, but his defense defense is good like you've got to have that you can't be a weakness um in, in in that respect for the team and um i just love it he looks gamey looks like he's up for the fight looks scrappy um so yeah big big kudos to him it was a pressurized one um I think uh, there was a lot of talk about maybe Healy bailing him out at the end of last season, you know, coming in at kind of crucial periods in games. But I, I actually didn't buy into that. I just really like him. And I think the coaches like him as well. So it's game on. Um, you know, if you play well against England, there will be a difference to playing well against Italy. Um, but there still will be a lot of changes. So that'll be a really difficult one for Ross Byrne to navigate. And, for he, you know, he it, that's, a, that's a pressure one for him, particularly with England having had such a poor performance. You know, I think... Um, you know, uh, they'll they'll be there'll be a bit of bounce back there, will so pressure on Ross Byrne. He's got to play well. He's got to do what he does well, which is remain composed and and guide the team around the pitch. He doesn't need to be looking at you know how what Crowley's doing because I think Crowley probably is a little bit more about him in terms of pace and beating players and stuff. Stick within his game. Um, you know, he's a pressure player himself, and I think Ireland now have two guys who I like, I really like in that position. I can take the team uh, forward um, into the next World Cup cycle, but. Uh, It's game on for that bench slot.
2: Yeah, as you said, it's a big, huge game for Ross Byrne and the circumstances are so different to when he played against England. You know, in the warm ups last time, when England were running high, Ireland were, you know, faltering, and and it was a very difficult day. Whereas now it'll be at the Aviva, full crowd, a lot of key players will be coming back into the team. Ringrose, Aki, James Ryan, Dan Sheehan, Porter, like you know, so he'll have a good, strong. Team in form, albeit they haven't played this season so far. But so it's set up for him, as you say, to to have potentially a, a very big game, and then maybe nudge back ahead of Jack Crowley. But it's one of the fascinating, I suppose, subplots running through this warm-up campaign. Uh, Keen? Anything else? Any other people that jumped out to you? Maybe we'll have a chat with Jacob Stockdale. I know uh, you know he had a kind of a, a strong performance of ball in hand at times. He had a poor tackle attempt for that Italian try, which I think. Might, might go against him you know what did you make of his overall performance it was kind of one of a, a classic Jacob Stockler performance in that there was moments of, of real quality with that you know that great high ball he took and that, and that charge a few other nice strong carries but then the defensive issue where a tackle there could, he, could have stopped the try there was two men Irishmen in support and no Italian. so I don't think it's, I saw some people say oh he was going over anyway but there was definitely scope I thought to to get, get him to ground and to potentially stop that well, like, so how would you kind of look at his performance
1: uh, I I thought first of all it was great to see him looking fit and, and like relatively sharp like it's been a while since we've seen he looks in great nick like great conditioning I mean clearly he's got a an injury free run over the last kind of couple of months and preseason looks like it stood well to him and like you're right he had a couple of big moments and you were kind of like oh wow is this kind of the start of the the rebirth and yeah look he had that obviously that moment and I don't actually think the try was his fault. I actually think it was more of a systematic error um from those inside of him. But once Jacob Stockdale comes across and finds himself in that position, you have to make that tackle. Um regardless of what's gone on inside you. He got there, he showed great pace to fold around, um, but then when he gets there, he just goes too high. Like and that is his Achilles heel. Like you think back to James Lowe, the issues he had around his defense and he went away and he tidied it up and he's become a much uh, better defender. Whereas a moment like that is going to give you, I think, doubts as as a coaching staff. And also I think it's going to give doubts to the players around you. So if that's Gary Ringrose or whatever playing 13, I think that just creates an element of doubt if you know that your winger outside you isn't going to stick a tackle like that. And it might sound harsh, but this is the reality of the situation that Jacob Sockdale finds himself in. Um, and for all the good things that he did, Will, I just, that is not going to reflect well at all, particularly in the review whenever they did it when they went over to Portugal. I'd imagine, like, he won't need anyone to tell him that he makes needs to make that tackle, but, when it comes down to it, it's going to be a relatively tight call, you'd imagine. It could be a shootout between him and Keith Earls, who you'd have to say missed a poor tackle when he went into 13 for the other Italian try as well. So that wasn't great either. But um, for a guy who, look, we all know what he did in 2018 and like everyone wants to see him back to his best and that player is still in there somewhere. But you just can't afford to make mistakes like that in a warm-up game. He needed as close to a 9-10 out of 10 game as possible. And I think that was a big mark um, against him. So, look, we'll see. I'd love to see him getting another chance. But the reality of these warm-up games is, I think you're right, Will. We're going to see loads of the front-liners back. I think you can almost pick the team to play England. Again, injury permitting, Um But there's no guarantee, and Andy Farrell said this, there's no guarantee that the guys who featured at at the weekend and Jacob Stockdale might fit into this bracket, there's no guarantee that they're going to play again um, over the next two games. So I think that's the mentality that Andy Farrell has fostered winning the squad. Um, I think he referenced the, the Fiji game last November, which really put paid to Joey Carberry's, I think, chances. That's where they started to lose faith. And that was referenced, I know, during the week by the coaches that, if you don't take your opportunities, then there's someone else who's going to take your spot. And I couldn't help but come away from Yviva on Saturday night feeling that that was a bit of a missed opportunity for Jacob Stockdale because for all that he did, I think people will will remember that missed tackle more than the high catch and the kick, which again, like you saw the stats, like the amount of carries, the amount of meters he made, unbelievable, but you got to nail the basics and I think when it comes down to it, that could count against him.
2: Yeah, Luke, do you want to come in on that?
0: Me and Will might have been texting a little bit. Or Will and I, sorry. Um, <laughs> during the match. Yeah, I, I was... Maybe so, like, on Saturday night, yeah. I I was, was like, <laughs> I no, no, I'm not... It won't be that. I just... Because it's a real tricky one because it's, you know, it's a position you played, so it always feels like Sarah Grapes. But I don't know. I I just think the, the commentary... You've got to be careful listening to the commentary whenever he's on the ball because I was kind of thinking that that's pretty... Um, everyone's very excited when he gets the ball, <laughs> you know? Um and I didn't really think it matched the performance. I thought there was one brilliant high ball take, which you love to see. That was really, really good. That was a brilliant bit of play, and that's what you love to see from a big player like him. Got put in touch twice, um, really bad ones. Kind of ran out, uh, ran out of touch. Got put in touch really easily. Um, I think they blamed uh, Gavin or uh, uh, sorry, Craig Casey for it. But um, yeah, I thought there was poor by the winger too. Like you never get put in touch like that missed the tackle which was really poor like he got the his right arm never got it anywhere near the handoff chest first never got the left foot close to the body you should have been you should be milling that guy uh, and he's a big man and it was even like he didn't like he wasn't even physical about it if you have that angle on someone even if they do get a handoff on you at his size coming at that pace if you're if you're just physical about it you just make that tackle if you're aggressive i don't know uh, he still has I don't think he passed the ball either. I don't like that. I don't. I think it's not a great trait. Uh, he got away with one in the, in the twenty-two. I think the Italian scrum half. I think got kind of brushed off by him. It was a kick over the top, and I kind just thought your man fell off the tackle terribly. But it really should have been like a like a. Uh, he missed. A, he should have passed the ball inside. He went for a dummy. It was weird. So picking out all these instances, it's hard when you're not at a screen to go look. This is what I think about this example, and maybe that's a bit of a, a garbled. Um, you know, view into what, you know, some of the instances that stuck out in my mind about him on the game. Um, I still think he's a long way to go to get back in the team. I think Andy Farr really likes him because he's pacey and he's big, but I think Ireland have better options, lots of better options. Um, I think I pick Earl's over him every single time. Um, I just prefer Earl's. I know that was a bad missed tackle, but it was still a more difficult tackle. It was a square on one. Um, the side on tackle when you're there is a way easier one. Uh, you still should make it, but, Earl's a way better player. He still looks sharp in, 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 in my mind. He's a lovely passer of the ball, which you need to be able to do if you're in this Ireland team and you need to want to do, I think, as well. Um, I think, um, you know, Lowe, he, he's, he's nowhere near Lowe and they're kind of similar. They have some issues defensively, but Lowe is just a way better player, I think, and has that ball-playing ability and wants to bring other players into the game. Um, so, yeah, look, I think it's... <sighs> He seems to be one of those guys who maybe benefits from a little bit of favoritism. And we're talking about 2018, like that's a long time ago, very long time ago uh, in my mind. And he's a different player. had a few injuries, so I, I still think it's great to see him back. I'm really pleased for him, for you know in that respect. I think he needs a big season with Ulster. I think for in my mind to get back into an Ireland team. I think there's too many guys that are playing better than him. And I think as well, you know, guys like Nash, Conway, I still think are better players than him. Uh, I'd have them just based on you know I just think they're more complete more rounded players and I'd have them in ahead of him a a lot so I think he's got his work cut out to get it back in my Ireland team but that's not Andy Andy Farrell's Ireland team Um, and again he is a great body for an international rugby player like he's a big man he's very quick that's always plays Um, you know so uh, yeah, that, that's my take on it. I know it sounds really harsh, but I suppose I'm looking really harshly at the at the kind of back three players all the time anyway. I, you know, when you're kind of focused on a position that you've played. You're looking at them and maybe maybe I just see all those things that I was talking about for years kind of going, I think he needs to work on this. I think he's getting, this is kind of getting papered over and he's not getting exposed here, but I think there's a problem. And I got lots of stick for for a long time, but I think it's kind of rearing its head still in his game. And um yeah, I, I just he just doesn't fit my eye uh, a little bit well. Even though I can recognize some of the great parts of his game, like the high ball, etc. There are some really nice parts. And as, as I said, he's a big man, uh, very quick, which is always great to have in your in your in your in your arsenal. But um, yeah, a long way back into this Ireland team for me, I was surprised he was named on the squad ahead of Shane Daly. To be honest with you. Yeah, but as you
2: said, as Keen mentioned about Will Connors earlier, when he's been fit and able, Andy Farrell has generally picked him. Even in the Six Nations squad, he was involved. He didn't get to play ultimately, but he was in the squad ahead of, as you mentioned, a whole host of other really back three players who probably felt that their form uh, merited I- inclusion. You know, it's, he's a fascinating case, and you could probably fill it almost a full podcast when you're dissecting him and discussing his last couple of years. But, but Keane, in terms of Ireland's squad generally, obviously the team or the squad isn't being finalised until after the Samoa game. Like, do you think, it, is it kind of wasting a bit of time having the, the, kind of the, the larger squad when there's only three warm-up games, then you have to hit the ground running, running in a World Cup? Would that be better served, do you think, having trimmed the squad earlier and just focusing on getting game time into key players so they can actually hit the ground running rather than you know maybe trying to experiment and see you know, who amongst the fringes merits inclusion? I know we said Joe McCarthy had a really good game. Perhaps he wouldn't have been able to be in the squad had he cut it earlier, but what are your thoughts on that?
1: I can see where you're coming from, Will, but I would be more inclined to go with the Ireland approach rather than England and whoever else naming their squads over the last couple of days. Um, look, we, we touch on this. Like, and you even see it with Scotland and Xander Fagerson? I mean, his hearing is going to be today. Like, he could be looking at a ban. There's going to be suspensions. There's going to be injuries. Like, the idea that there won't be people from outside of the 33-man squad that's going to be picked on August 28th is fanciful, really. So I think it's really important that the guys in, in camp at the moment do get game time. I understand what you mean, Will, um, but I think there's enough minutes in three games to to go around for, for everyone to get a, a good feel for it. Um, because, like let's say someone like uh, Tom Stewart, let's say him, for example, who actually taught, did well enough off the bench um, for his debut last weekend. If one of the hookers, like Ronan Kelleher, is so injury prone. So if Ronan Keller gets injured without having these games to give someone like a Tom Stewart, you know, game time, it's all well and good being able to train behind the scenes. But I think you want to see these guys um, albeit in warm-up games. So I think they're important. I think it gives everyone a relatively fair chance, I think, to impress, even if, I, I only personally think there's two or three places up for grabs, not even quite six, as Lou kind of felt earlier. Um but it means that I think you create a good squad environment as well, that guys aren't feeling like they're only there to hold tackle bags. They are feeling like they're in with a chance. So um I can understand Ireland's thinking and go and leaving it as late as possible, to be honest.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. You've obviously been involved in World Cup squads, some you made. Some you didn't make. What's your perspective on when the best time is to to actually finalize the team and say, this is what we're going with. This is who we need to get game time into rather than giving a start to someone who ultimately doesn't even go.
0: Yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? The three games really does rear its head here, doesn't it? Uh, Ireland apparently had a lot of trouble, you know, getting fixtures. So, Um, yeah, I'm really torn on that one, Will. I think, you know, it's a pretty settled team as it is. Um... You know, and they're in a better position. I can see why England are doing it just because there's been so many chopping and changing. People in 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 camp, people out of camp, all this kind of stuff. That's a different camp environment to the one Ireland is in. Very settled and probably is some value in giving people a little bit of certainty early that they're going on the plane. But maybe he feels like he wants to have a few guys who are a little bit hungry as well. And he wants to reward maybe people who, as as Keane said, might be coming out in a plane in the middle of the competition. Um, and he wants them to know the game plan, but also wants to reward people who train very well, uh, who might be outside of the reckoning. So there's a little bit of that going on as well. Um, he probably feels like he might have enough games, maybe to play guys into form or play the team into form at the World Cup. At you know those first few pool matches, will and um, that might play into us thinking about giving guys a few more opportunities or a few more minutes in. You know, a- against England, you know the Portugal one. I just don't know what, I don't know what you get out of it um and minutes that's probably yeah the idea. sorry that's it isn't it it's basically like 30 guys or, or whatever probably f- the guts of 40 people coming together to get this guy like 50 it's minutes a game but in my opinion I think <laughs> it's it's worth it probably is it might be provided doesn't get bloody injured but yeah no it's um yeah so look I think it'll be interesting to see what they do I, I it's very hard to know what the right one is we've never got it right as far as I can see will so um yeah I think that um they look pretty good. They look good enough to me on the weekend. I, I would like to see maybe um, you know, a little bit of uh you know turnover, maybe the first kind of in you know, next week. Give people maybe 20-30 minutes at the end once you've had a few frontline guys you kind know, of play their way in. But obviously, you know, coming that last fixture and then the first couple in the pool should be enough to get most people up to speed. Will hmm. um it's a tricky problem to have for the Northern Hemisphere teams, isn't it? I mean, you look at France and you're kind of saying, like, hmm. Like, how, is that a little bit demoralising? Losing to a team that had 40, 14 guys in the pitch for for quite a long time of that of that match, you know. Um, I don't think it'll matter too much, but it's an interesting. You know, they've got a big match that they'll want to do well, and at the you know that first match against New Zealand is is huge for them. And to lose you know to a team that had was it was it was it fifty minutes? I'm going to say it was fifteen minutes. I think they had fourteen men. Was it? I it think was close to that. It was, yes, it was a long time. Staff, yeah. Now, yeah, France I think very
2: France. picked a very understrength team, though, compared to what they would. I
0: know, pick, I know, I know. But you still don't want to. You, you you do want to get. As I said at the start of the show, talking about Italy, you want to get a win. You know, you still want even no matter how you do. It's good just to get a few wins, a bit of momentum. It just everything feels a little bit better. You're kind of going, okay, we're tweaking rather than going, mm, is this time to panic? There's there's yeah. always going to be that little bit of chatter around these ones, will so. Yeah, look. I think they'll want to do well against England. I think they've got lots of front liners coming back, but there's opportunity to just have another look at a few other guys. I think and just go, okay. Well, is McCarthy as effective against a uh, an England pack? Let's see. Well, uh, let us see. Um, you know, because that could be something that, as I say, could be a nice little you know string to the bow for this Ireland team. Um, you know, what about Frawley? What about Crowley? Like, how does he do against a better team? You know, a few of these guys. There's opportunities there to. To uh, to to have another little look at a few guys that might have had a good preseason behind closed doors that we don't know about. So I'd be of the tinkering mind, maybe will. But of course, the last game you need to be getting guys games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't
2: think it's worth obviously mentioning that the first game is against Romania, who are one of the weakest teams in the tournament. Like they got heavily beaten by America at the weekend. So that game where your front line team picked like that's a good way of getting minutes in, into the legs. But at the same time, that's the only pool game where you could maybe, you know, give guys some time off. So it, it is an interesting one. Whereas France, obviously, their first game is against New Zealand. And obviously, they're probably going to get out of their pool anyway. But as the host nation, to start with a momentum-building win is vital. And they they don't have that many warm-up games left either. So it, it's it's a, it's an interesting one, Keen, like It's depending on your pool schedule. Like England's first game is against Argentina. They look a rabble at the moment. You know, under Bortwick, it just seems to have not gone well at all. They obviously lost to a poor Welsh team at the weekend. The England game or the Ireland game for them is very important as well
1: yeah and even I think France are playing Scotland again aren't they this weekend and you'd imagine the big guns will be back I think they're playing in Sandetti and you can imagine there will be a huge backlash I wouldn't read I know what Will is, sorry what Luke was saying I wouldn't read too much into the defeat if anything like the way Scotland were celebrating it was a bit uh, I thought over the top um, but anyway that's another story um, everything, Scotland
2: get- dude. everything Scotland <laughs> do everything Scotland do
1: on this like, <laughs> what are they
2: doing?
0: don't get Will started on Scotland yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only thing is I think was it more to do with the comeback I think it was more to do with the comeback and it was a good comeback to no. be fair
1: like, credit, yeah credit where it credits you like it was a good comeback yeah. but there was a scratch France team as Will as Will said if it had been against Anton Dupont and all the lads like fair enough but um yeah like we'll see yeah, what maybe, Scotland yeah. are like come yeah. the World Cup and you're right um, Will I think that the Argent the Argentina the Romania game is going to be seen as another stepping stone into it and even the Tonga game second look I know they're going to give Ireland the game but they've been poor enough I think in pre season as well haven't they uh, they've have a couple more games left to build themselves into form so um. I think the fixtures have fallen nicely for Ireland but I do remember I was saying that 4 years ago as well when they played Scotland first and Japan second and that didn't work out well so it's a bit like Luke saying that when you name the squad it hasn't really worked out well the fixtures haven't really worked out well as well so um.
0: <laughs> world cups just generally have not worked like there's literally we have no good reference point <laughs> sadly sadly <laughs> yeah. but yeah no it's an interesting it, look there's there's loads of what, what's what been it's it's really compelling isn't it I think just this whole little period and kind of figuring out what trying to get in the coach's mind and trying to get in the team's mindset for how they're going to hit the ground running and I think that's the, going to be the big thing for them I, I have a feeling that they can't rest anyone and I don't think they will rest anyone against Romania will even though I get the point you might save a little bit in the legs towards the end of the competition and, and you are looking to go and win this thing. But I just feel like they they can't take... That That was a bit of a warning sign for me. Scotland have enough in the bag to hurt you. And they showed that in the Six Nations, just couldn't finish us off. Um, you know, a very gutsy performance by us, uh, by particularly a few individuals. But they can hurt us. And as well, with the laws of the game and how fractional they are, that wasn't a really fractional one with, with Xander And of course. It, you know, he, he could be in a bit of trouble for that one. Um. But you could have an incident like that where you get a red card, and all of a sudden you're going, "Oh God!" Like you know, from an incident that you don't think is that serious, uh, or you didn't mean to hurt anyone. Um, you know, something that might you might deem might be kind of outside of your control. Um, this thing could have a very different complexion. So I think he's going to go full bore every single game, and I don't think he's going to rest anyone. I think he's got to he's got to just rely on his, his strength and conditioning guys to have got it right over the summer. And that he's able to if they've had a really tough quarter final match that they can go, right, we don't need to be on our feet for three days here. We we have enough in the bank. I can save you. I trust the work that's in there. Um I don't need to not play guys against Romania at the start of the competition for you to be fresh here. Do you know is, is that May is that do you think that's that's is that resonating at all, that kind of if yeah, we're, we're all, putting ourselves I, in his I, shoes?
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can go into your first World Cup game and play like a second string team with the idea of maybe in the quarterfinals having extra legs. Like re- realistically, I just don't think that's, that. That would be very kind of looking ahead. And I don't think this team does yeah. that. I don't think any foul picks a squad like that either. Like just just looking at no. the teams, he generally rolls out his strongest teams for the majority of his matches. I say he probably rotates less than most other international coaches.
1: Uh, yeah, go, just go back just go back to the last season and Leinster not playing their full team against Munster like it can't come back to to bite you like it's not going to happen against um against Romania so I would love to see Ireland going as close to full bore as possible for, for the game throughout the World Cup like I mean I have a friend who worked in um, England for a while and he always thought it was mad that like particularly around World Cups that Irish players we almost too protected. That come the World Cup time, that they didn't have kind of enough in them. That they, the the IRFU's program is is brilliant and obviously like so well renowned. The players get so well looked after. But at times, you are kind of wondering, could they be left off the leash a little bit more? That Leinster Munster game is a good example, um, because obviously it didn't it didn't work out to plan with Leinster not beating La Rochelle in the final. So maybe there's lessons there for the Ireland coaches to learn to learn from as well.
2: Yeah, it's going to be an intriguing few weeks to see what kind of teams he does pick for the remaining warm up games. But for now, I'd like to thank Keen and Luke for joining me on this week's episode of The Left Wing. We will be back next week to look ahead to the England game at the Aviva Stadium. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for
0: listening and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.